Hey everyone, welcome to season three, episode eight of the Right Words podcast. I am Hayley Walsh, your host, author of Lighthearted Fiction, and as always, I'm coming to you from Darug Country in far western Sydney at the base of the beautiful Blue Mountains. Well, here we are at our last takeover episode for this season. Aussie author and my friend Kevin Clare got to sit down with American author of crime and suspense, James Michaels. They had a great chat and covered lots of ground. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I also sat down for a little chat with Kevin to talk about his own work. Now, three awesome authors drop in for our spotlights. President of our partner, Tea With Coffee Media, the wonderful Tyler Witkowski will entertain you for sure. Aussie author Damien Lenane drops in to share his inspiring and unique journey to publication and debut author Benjamin Ryan joins us to talk about his book Baby. Now I will be sure to include links to all the author's works in the show notes. So sit back and I hope you enjoy the episode. Get ready to embark on an extraordinary journey of emotions, resilience, and enchantment with the captivating mind of the one and only Tyler Witkowski. Indulge your soul in the mesmerizing world of poetry with coffee, alcohol, and heartbreak, my debut poetry collection. These poems, born from the deepest corners of my soul, will take you on a roller coaster ride of feelings from sheer elation to profound introspection. Each verse serves as a wondrous escape from reality, a moment of solace that connects you with the essence of your being. So grab your favorite beverage, cozy up, and let these poetic gems transport you to the realms of emotions you never knew existed. But that's just the beginning. And not alone, meet Henry Havishki, the young man who seemingly has it all. Awards, fame, a loving entourage, you name it. Yet, lurking beneath that charming facade lies a battle with depression, anger, anxiety, and the daunting depths of bipolar disorder. Prepare to be moved, inspired, and utterly captivated by this poignant tale that unravels the truth behind his seemingly perfect life. It's a journey that echoes the struggles we all face, but seldom reveal. Brace yourself for a literary ride that is hard-hitting, meaningful, and sprinkled with a touch of magic. Next, immerse yourself in the Seeds of Love, Sunflower Kisses Book One, where the young and determined Clay Dabrowski encounters the fiery and irresistible Bailey Child Sparks fly as their paths entwine, challenging Clay's laid-out plans and awakening the dormant passion within him. Together, they brave the twists and turns of life, love, and the complexities of the human heart. As you follow their quest for happiness, you'll find yourself cheering them on, laughing with them, and shedding a tear or two. This heartwarming tale will ignite your spirits and leave you believing in the unyielding power of love. But hold on tight, because we've got something truly magical in store. Prepare to be swept away by a modern take on a timeless classic. The Midsummer's Night's Dream with Oberon, now known as Obi, and the enchanting Tati Hastings, formerly known as Titania. 
Picture a mysterious billionaire cryptocurrency tycoon and an alluring actress reuniting against the backdrop of an impending threat. It's a gripping dance between love, power, and destiny where the fate of the mortal world hangs in the balance. Filled with intrigue, wit, and unexpected twists, this contemporary twist on Shakespeare's masterpiece will keep you on the edge of your seat, spellbound until the very last page. But wait, the journey doesn't end there. Let's talk about the fabulous Tea with Coffee Media, a dream come true for indie media producers and proud partner of the Right Words podcast. Founded by a team of five creative geniuses, my wife Grace, friends Aaron, Kelsey, Victoria, and myself, our dynamic crew is here to revolutionize indie media production. We understand that creativity knows no bounds, but often resources and support do. Fear not, for Tea with Coffee Media is here to be your ultimate cheerleader, guiding you to unlock your full potential and bring your vision to life. We're not just a company, we're a family, a community of dreamers, creators, and believers. We've got your back with tailored approaches to each project, ensuring your ideas shine like the brightest stars in the galaxy of indie media. So come join us in the pursuit of greatness, where inspiration flows like a river, motivation dances in the air, and the spirit of camaraderie ignites your soul. But let's talk about the fabulous Tea with Coffee media publications and authors. Extraordinary wordsmiths that bring their unique perspectives and storytelling prowess together to captivate hearts and minds. First, witness the arrival of the Anunnaki and Titans on Earth. Explore the connection to their mythical powers from the days of Olympus. But when revenge drives the Titans to revolt, a battle of epic proportions unfolds. Will the Olympians triumph, or will Earth fall to the wrath of the Titans? Find out in K.K. Lore's Generations of Humanity, Book 1, Dawn of Humanity. Next, uncover the secrets of the ancient Titans and Anunnaki. When Lord Oak Kronos's iron grip on the world is threatened by a prophecy about his children, an army rises to free humanity led by Zeus, Gaia, Keon, Morami, the Goddess Three. And Kay Kaler's Generations of Humanity, Book Two, Rise of the Humanaki. Can the Humanaki overthrow Lord Kronos and restore balance? Or will humanity succumb to darkness? Enter the modern world of Medea with Natalie Bartley's Titan of Light, Book One, Remaking the Sorceress. A powerful sorceress seeking redemption. Armed with a love triangle between a soulbound dragon, Kitimonos, and a vampire prince, Vladimir Dracul, she faces Greek heroes in Oculus, but as she journeys through history, dark forces threaten to consume her. Will she find herself or be consumed by darkness? In Kelsey Ann Lovelady's A Jazz Dylan Mystery Book One Permanent Reminders, you join Jazz Dylan, a tattoo artist with an average life turned upside down by an unexpected death. A haunting tattoo from her past drives her to unravel the truth behind a Seattle serial killer. Can Jazz uncover the killer's identity before it costs her everything? 
a thrilling mystery awaits you. Also by Kelsey Ann Lovelady. Join Elena in a different as she seeks help from a revolutionary new drug that dampens human emotions to forget her heartbreak. But as she delves deeper, she realizes that indifference comes with its own consequences. Will Elena find healing or more harm in the pursuit of emotional numbness? Step into Sahara's World in the Desert Seas Book 1, The Desert Siren by Jesse Sadler as she leaves her desert home for a musical symposium in the middle of the ocean. As she discovers her connection to the sea and battles against a tyrant mermaid, she becomes the savior the sea has been searching for. Unravel the mysteries of the ocean and join the battle for freedom. Evelyn Morris faces a post-apocalyptic world and must survive like our earliest ancestors. With cunning, strength, and faith, she battles not only the wild earth, but also her rival, Taylor. Mother Nature provides no second chances. Will Evelyn believe in herself and her group, or will she succumb to the challenges? Find out in Nia Glenn's Evolution of Eve, Journey Through Eden. In B.T. Harris's Beyond Olympus, Christina, a brilliant astronomer and Buddhist, creates a new element, Hyperion, as she becomes a potential host for Cosmic Yar. She faces the Olympians in a decision that can change her life. Will she become the star she is destined to be, or will somebody else take it away? J.T. Cunningham's Devil's Entropy introduces the world to half-demon Corman Ryan as he faces a world in ruins and enemies at every turn. Haunted by violent nightmares and targeted by the government, he must prevent the resurrection of a long-dormant evil. Armed with only his sentient left hand and a scythe, will Corman triumph over his inner demons and the forces of darkness? Embark on a journey of deceit, desire, and betrayal in the shadow of the scholar by Catherine Malcolm with Saya, a half-demon with a hidden past. As she delves into a world of occult practices and secret libraries, she uncovers a mysterious half-demon society. Trust is fragile, and the truth they uncover only divides. Can Saya unravel the mysterious power and protect those she loves? Each of Tea with Coffee Media's authors are a master of their craft, and their work paints a tapestry of creativity, passion, and genuine storytelling that will leave you spellbound. So come join the captivating world of Tea with Coffee Media, proud partner of the Right Words podcast, where creativity knows no bounds and the power of storytelling reigns supreme. And there's more excitement on the horizon. I'm calling all writers, storytellers, and content creators. It's time to unleash your creativity and make an impact with Cook the Books, the ultimate podcast for writers by writers. I, Tyler Witkowski, your fellow wordsmith, and my best friend, Kelsey Ann Lovelady, are here to guide you through this exhilarating creative journey. Together, we'll dive into the depths of storytelling, crafting narratives that captivate hearts and minds. We've got industry experts spilling their secrets on building your audience and creating compelling stories that keep readers hooked till the very end. So get ready to sharpen your writing skills, expand your horizons, and dive headfirst into a world where the power of words reigns supreme. Are you yearning for adventure? 
eager to explore the unknown and embrace the thrill of the open road. Adventure with Coffee is your ticket to exhilarating escapades. Join me and my wife Grace in our pursuit of wanderlust as we share the wonders of buying an RV, working remotely, and hitting the road. AdventureWCoffee.com is your passport to breathtaking landscapes, awe-inspiring cultures, and unforgettable memories. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or a starry-eyed dreamer, our blog offers a treasure trove of insights, travel tips, and stunning photography to ignite the adventurer within you. So pack your bags, buckle up, and let the journey of a lifetime begin. And finally, we journey to tylerwitkowski.com, the virtual portal to a universe of my personal growth, creativity, and connections that will leave you inspired and eager for more. I, Tyler Witkowski, your guide on this journey, invites you to a sanctuary where the realms of mental health, writing, publishing, marketing, spirituality, and the art of living fully collide. Explore breathtaking travel destinations. Embrace the wonders of mental well-being and uncover the secrets of the ever-evolving world of marketing, writing, and publishing. Here, you'll discover a vibrant community of like-minded souls who support, uplift, and celebrate each other's triumphs. So, are you ready to be swept away on an unforgettable journey of self-discovery, exploration, and transformation? Come, dear friends, and let's traverse this thrilling path together with Tyler Witkowski. Everyone. My name's Damien Lenane, and I guess I wear a few hats. I'm a novelist, I'm an illustrator, I'm the editor of an art and writing magazine for people in prison, and I'm also uh, currently completing a PhD uh, related to prison healthcare. But uh, today I'm mostly going to be talking about my novel. It's a crime thriller called Scarred, and the first thing I'd like to tell you about it is that I wrote it by hand while I was in prison, which was uh, no easy task, I can assure you, um, because the uh, it's a crime thriller, it obviously it contains at least some violence, and anything that you create that could be construed as uh, glorifying violence is contraband in prison so um, the guards would have confiscated if they had ever found it. Um, I don't think my novel does glorify violence but they're, uh, uh, they're pretty in liberal in their interpretation on those uh, sorts of things so I thought it was in my best interest to keep it hidden uh, which I did. I went into the prison system in late 2015. Uh, the short version is for someone very close to me uh, told me she had been sexually assaulted and I made the decision to take the law into my own hands to target the person she said attacked her, and I ended up spending 10 months in prison for destruction of property uh, for that. And when I went into prison, I um, I had ideas that I was going to uh, uh, complete a master's degree. I'd just finished my bachelor's before I went in. Long story short, the first thing they told me in there was that um, they only had the resources to let people study uh, basic literacy, which uh, wasn't much help to me. I was assessed as a low risk of reoffending, which meant I wasn't even eligible for rehabilitation if I wanted any. I found out that there's no 
therapy available to people in prison under almost any circumstances uh, because prisoners don't have access to Medicare and um, that's actually motivated me on my current path to um, complete a, uh, my PhD is focused on um, improving mental health uh, in prison including by uh, making Medicare available to prisoners. Anyway, when I, once I found out all those things that I, um, I couldn't do anything constructive with my time or rather the prison wasn't going to give me anything constructive to do, I decided I had to find something and um, what I came up with was writing a novel. I've always been a passionate reader, I've been you know, reading a book a week since I was 10 and I'd had this idea in the back of my head for many years to write a novel which was partially inspired by some of my own experiences like you know um, the reason I took the law into my own hands was because I um, experienced a lot of uh, abuse in childhood and I never got any justice uh, for that, uh, the perpetrator was never punished and so I was kind of on this revenge kick to um, uh, get justice via the proxy of somebody else. That's essentially what my my novel's about. Um, Scard's about a, a young man who um, something similar happens to him. Basically, I took myself as a template character and I drastically exaggerated pretty much everything in the book. I, I wanted to see um, how far I could push the character. You know, I knew how, I knew what had happened to me and how angry that had made me and how that, you know, um, chose me to do some, you know, not so constructive things later in life that were criminally related. And so I, I took myself as a template and I said, you know, like, um, all right, let's make the person in this book, make, let's make his, you know, his uh, childhood, you know, five times worse than mine and um, see where that takes him. And, and naturally, uh, yeah, he has, um, he becomes much more uh, angry, much more of a recluse and um, takes the law into his own hands in a much more dramatic fashion. So uh, that took me uh, five months to um, write in prison. People will tell me that that's a short amount of time to write a book, but um, you'd be surprised what you can accomplish when there's when there's no other distractions. Um, so I, my sentence was 10 months and I finished the book at five, at which point I started to panic because I didn't have an idea for a second book at the time. Um, I've since written a, a, a memoir which has um, uh, yet to be published, but I, I hadn't really uh, come up with the idea for that yet. So um, after I finished my novel, I started to teach myself to draw, which is something I'd never done before. And I've had I've had uh, six or seven solo art exhibitions now. I currently have one on display in Newcastle where I live and in 2021 I also illustrated the book This Is Ear Hustle under a um, contract with uh, Penguin Random House in the US. Uh, but you know I was in prison and I was, I'd was i written my novel and I'd written some short stories and I was making all this art. But there was, there was no constructive outlet uh, for um, anything creative in prison. You know, if there was a prison magazine at some point in the past, um, nobody in there had heard of one. And so I, I made the decision to try and uh, start up a prison magazine myself after I got out. Long story short, somebody else beat me to it by a couple of months, which was a good thing because I, I had to, a life to rebuild. But I ended up coming on board with her instead of, you know, uh, reinventing the wheel and trying to have a competing magazine start up at the same time. And I worked as like the uh, like unofficial like assistant editor of um, that magazine for a few years until she couldn't do it anymore and asked me if I was interested in taking over. And I've since applied for funding for that, and now that's that's my job. I've uh, I created a job for myself. I'm now the editor of an yeah this art and writing magazine for people in prison. It's called Paper Chained. Uh, you can download it for free at our website paperchained.com. Uh, chained C H A I N E D. And um, if you'd like to learn more about me, um, you can find out about me at uh, damianlenane.com, Damien with an E, 
L-I-N-N-A-N-E, also on Instagram at Damien Lenane. And uh, my novel is called Scarred, as I said, and uh, it's available through uh, most of the major ebook platforms. Um, you can order it uh, through Australian bookstores. Of course, you can also get it through places like Amazon. Anyway, I guess I'll wrap up today by uh, reading you a part of my novel. Um, it was a bit difficult to choose which part to read because there's definitely not enough time for a full chapter. Something I'm quite fond of with my book is uh, I think my favourite character is actually the detective in my novel. So um, yeah, my novel's about a, um, a vigilante serial killer, um, but it also focuses on the homicide detective who's hunting him and also another independently operating killer in Sydney at the same time. I did mention before that I wear a lot of hats, but um, unfortunately uh, being a narrator isn't one of them. So bear with me. Um, this is the uh, first paragraph of chapter five of Scarred. Detective Brendan Ames furrowed his brow at the ballistics report, still warm from the printer at Glee Police Station. It had come via email, but Ames had always found it easier to read anything of importance when it was on paper and in his hand, not to mention he usually took any chance he could to get out of his cubicle for a minute. Their cubicle, he reminded himself bitterly, his partner occupying the other half of their side of the movable partition that was supposed to give adequate privacy to the four detectives at work in the centre of the room. He supposed it was better than nothing. His partner, Michael White, was seated behind him and faced a desk in the opposite direction, and the divider meant he had to stand if he wanted to see Detectives Brooks or Odin working on the other side. But still, hardly what he thought suitable for the lead homicide detective for the Sydney Central Business District, even if that job title sounded a lot more impressive than it actually was. Despite the population density, there weren't actually that many murders in or around the CBD, meaning a lot of the time he was either working cold cases, assisting in someone else's investigation, or even being assigned cases in the surrounding suburbs. He'd caught the beginning of some bullshit American cop show a few weeks ago, and laughed scornfully when they showed the lead detective's spacious office with picturesque harbourside views. Maybe things were different in America, or maybe that was just how some overpaid and uninformed writer imagined it being. Ames didn't have a view of the harbour. He had a view of the hallway that led to reception, where sometimes, over the sounds of constant typing, phones ringing, and chatter that otherwise surrounded him, he could listen in to the ridiculous complaints of some low-life harassing whichever constable had been unlucky enough to get the front counter shift. Hello, my name is Benjamin Ryan, and I am the author of Madam Eldridge's Wayward Home for Unruly Boys. I am a DOE teacher in New York City by daytime, and by nighttime, I am an author. I started writing when I was about seven years old. I took pieces of paper, folded them together, and scribbled some sentences, and was like, I have a book! And ever since then, I knew that I wanted to create fantastical stories. I was an army brat living all over the world, and being the new kid in a new school and a new home every couple years, it was hard for me to maintain friendships, and so a lot of times I just relied on my creativity, and as well just exploring new cultures, and because of all these things, my ideas just grew. And a lot of people do ask me, they say, since you live in Manhattan, the craziest city in the world, crazy people outside, adventures going on, is, are those the things that inspired you? And I was like, absolutely not. It's an even better story than that. My friend who is an author, her name is Alexandra Hayden Douglas. She wrote The Four. Please go look her stuff up on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. You can find it there. She 
decided to take a manuscript she had, which was fabulous, and send it to her dream agent. She sends it off, and within 24 hours, the agent gets back to her and says, sorry, rejection. She was so livid, she decided to get revenge. Please do not do this. Do not ever get revenge on an agent. Please don't do this, but in this case, it worked out. So she decides to make up the title of a book, make up a blurb, change her author name, and then send it back to the same agent just to waste the agent's time. And within 24 hours, the agent gets back to her and says, I would love to read the first 20,000 words of this book. She freaks out. She contacts me. I am screwed. I don't know what to do. It was the 4th of July weekend in America. It was a holiday weekend. And I said, listen, you are quote unquote on vacation. You are quote unquote away from your computer. You are quote unquote busy. When you get back in quote unquote four days, you will see her email and send it off. You have four days to write as much as you can. So... I was all pompous the next day thinking she wasn't going to do it. And I texted her and said, how many words do you have? She goes, 8,000. I said, get out of town. So I decided then and there, I'd written three manuscripts already. I said, you know what? If she can do it, I can do it too. So we kind of made a challenge that she would write and I would write. And we would write our books as fast as we could together. And so I did not know what I was going to write, but I sat down and I literally wrote the title, made it up on the spot, Madame Eldridge's Wayward Home for Unruly Boys. And I started that day. Within the end of that first day, I had 8,000 words. And I realized that when I just dedicated my time to writing down and just doing it, it flowed. For the next five days, I did nothing but wake up, write, 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 write. I had one hour to walk, go to the bathroom, eat, and I was back at the computer typing away. Five and a half days later, I finished my fourth manuscript. And I spent the next week editing it and then sending it off to beta readers through Twitter. And the feedback was incredible. I had people coming back going, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, I need more chapters. And I realized that I had something really special here. Not only was it written in five and a half days, but it was created in such a way because I was doing it through a pantser mode and I was just making up stuff on the spot. It was so whimsical and it was so magical and it was so almost crazy that people couldn't get enough of it. Um, and the premise of the book, which I didn't know until after I'd written it, is about 10 boys who go to a behavior program, and there are three official rules. One, what happens here stays here. Two, there are, uh, you must follow all eight steps of the program, no ifs, ands, or buts. And three, no one is allowed to use their name. They are referred to by their problem. So you have people named Vandalize, Stealer, Secret, Slob, Fibsy, Bully, Sassy, and so on. And of course, there is a hidden fourth rule. Do not go into the bedroom on the third floor who was once occupied by a boy who disappeared from the house eons ago. And so of course, unruly boys do what unruly boys do and they go into the room. Of course, uh, vandalize breaks into the room and steal or steal something from it. And before they know it, um, they are playing with the objects that are in the room and they hold magical abilities. And so they use them to kind of get through some of her challenges before they realize that the objects in the room are connected to the house and connected to Madame Eldridge and also connected to why they are there, as well as something dark that happened in the past and something that is happening now. And so I find that it's a, it was, it's a really fun story to write and an even more fun story to read. And one of the cool things was once I was done writing the book, I decided to go back and twist a few things, add a few clues in, and maneuver stuff throughout the book. And so one of the cool things is once you read the book, there is a solid ending, but there are multiple theories as to what actually happened. 
So depending on which clues you pick up depends on what you believe actually happened throughout their stay at Madame Eldridge's Wayward Home for Unruly Boys. You can also find out more about me if you go onto my website at www.benjaminryanbooks.com. There I have uh, my four other manuscript blurbs and things like that. Uh, You can contact me if you want to beta read for them. I have my books online as well as um, videos and pictures and information about my writing and myself. You can also interact with me on Twitter. I'm very big on there at brclothwrites. And I'm always um, doing stuff through the writing community, tweeting funny questions and creating different threads and things. So you are more than welcome to come follow me and interact with me there. I'm there uh, always being my weird, silly self. Um, As for writing in the future, um, after this book, I decided to write another one, which I did do. uh, I started writing about two weeks. I did a thousand words a day. And then I decided to bang the second half of the book out and did that in three days. So I think for anyone who wants to write, I think that my suggestion would be just sit down and just do it. Don't worry if it's trash. It's going to be trash. It's going to be awful. But you're going to write it out. And once it's done, you have your bones, you have your basis, and then you can go back and tweak things, add in those words, fix up that dialogue, but just get the bone and structure out. And you'll be surprised that if you just stop trying to be perfect and if you stop, stop trying to control the writing, the writing just comes. And so I did that with a book that, um, that's called Be Careful What You Wish For. It's actually an adult Jewish humor adventure. Um, and I literally have had people read that book and have literally stopped and said that they were almost peeing their pants. It was so funny. So you are more than welcome to come beta read for me uh, through that if you want to. I will be trying to send it to agents within the next couple months. Um, but I'm also working on the sequel to Madame Elger's Wayward Home for Unruly Boys, which is titled... Uh, the return or return to Madame Eldridge's Wayward Home for Unruly Boys because apparently long titles are my thing. Um, and so I asked several people who had already read the book, what do you think? What would you like to see? What were the points that you really loved? What were things that were confusing? And I've taken those and thrown those into the back of my mind. And I'm already about 60 pages into the sequel. And that's taken me about three or four days. So this one will be a little slower, but because um, I want to make sure that I'm precise enough and match it to the original book so that I can do a series. But I am definitely wanting to make a series with this. And I'm excited because when it first got online, uh, it sold out in the first day. And both the book and the... Um, Kindle version are both Amazon new release number one bestsellers. So I am totally blessed to have people who have flocked to the book and the reviews online um, literally just make my heart sing. Um, It's brought uh, adventure and whimsy to so many people and I just cannot wait for this to spread. Um, I would love to read a small portion of this to you just so you can feel some of the whimsy of the book. I'm not going to explain much but you'll understand as it goes along. Fibsy pulled Slob out of the room and into the third floor hallway. He walked over to one outside tables and quickly pulled it from the wall. Both of them observed the back of the table. It was smooth wood and held no dents or scratches. This is where we will carve, Fibsy declared. He pushed the table back against the wall. Desperate to get it over with, Slob threw the shirt on and struggled to pull his head through the opening. As he pulled the ill-fitting shirt down, he vanished before Fibsy's eyes. Seeing it happen in real time took Fibsy by surprise and validated something very peculiar was indeed happening at the wayward home for unruly boys. He looked around momentarily to make sure no one was there before putting the shirt on himself. As he pulled his head through the hole, a familiar green tint surrounded him. Slob was at the edge of the stairs, looking down. 
When he saw his friend by the side table, he rushed over. There's an argument going on downstairs, Slav announced, frightened by the sudden change in the home. I think something really bad happened in this place a long time ago, Fibsy said. The last time I was here, Madame Eldridge was talking to a boy I didn't recognize about a danger approaching. I don't like the sound of that. Everything seemed to work out. This is the past, after all, Fibsy mentioned as he carved F and S into the back of the wooden table. When he was done, he prided himself in what a clever idea it all was. Now we have to take the shirts off, Fibsy suggested, leaving the table ajar in the center of the hallway. Without hesitation, the two boys pulled the shirts off. Slob struggled, as the shirt was too small for his frame. The green tint of the hallway dissipated. The table, which Fibsy had put in the center of the hallway, was now back against the wall, dusty and untouched. It wasn't dusty a minute ago, Slob mentioned with amazement. It also didn't have this before, Fibsy said. He pulled the table from the wall, etched into the back with the letters F and S. Thank you so much, and I hope that you enjoy Madam Eldridge's Wayward Home for Unruly Boys. Well, listeners, I am here with our takeover host for this episode's author interview, the wonderful Aussie author and my friend, Kevin Clare. Kevin, thanks for being here. That's fine. Thanks, for Hayley, for um, asking me to be on the show, on the podcast. Yes, yes, finally. I've wanted you to host a takeover for a while, so thank you for saying yes. <laughs> and we must all say yes in October as well. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Kevin... Um, for, the, for our listeners, Kevin and I actually caught up recently at the last Sydney Writers Meetup, which was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, a nice view of water and and yachts and um, and nice food. And but you were disappointed. I didn't. Sh- I didn't go for a wine with you. I think were you the only one drinking at the table, or was there yes, one? Yes, I think I was the only plonky at the table. So yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'll I forgive would- you. I would have joined you in in a glass of white, but the line was too big at the bar, so I just poured myself a water. Oh, look! I'll, look, as I said, I'll forgive you, but it was really great, wasn't it? There was um there was lots of great discussion and, and idea sharing, which was fantastic. So I hope the Sydney Writers Meetups continue to grow. It was just fantastic. Ditto, ditto. Beautiful. Now I just wanted to give you a chance to you know sell yourself and. Tell my listeners about yourself. So we'll start by asking, who is Kevin? Um, I am an author who, well, let's just stick to the author stuff and besides everything else that I am. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm an author who, who actually has been published traditionally for about 10 years with um, small publishers, but um, pretty much all my major works are with a small Albuquerque press called Nine Star Press, who are queer specific, um, but they deal with all genres. So don't think it's, you know, romance or, you know, or it's, they they publish everything from science fiction to romance to, to urban fantasies to big fantasies to contemporary works, um, just as long as uh, uh, a member of the um, rainbow community is front and centre as a main character. So I myself have quite a few releases through them that um, 
I've got two dystopian releases, a lot of urban fantasy stuff, and uh, a couple of romance novellas, which are also available as a print book. And I've also got an audio book out through them for Winter Masquerade, which has a bit of a Alice in Wonderland uh, feel to it. Very cool. So what about your publishing, you know, your journey, your journey to, you know, getting your first book published tell us that story <laughs> oh that's an evil laugh i love that oh look yeah it's <laughs> oh, you know you know you, uh, my, my first novel um is called drama queens with love scenes and it's on my kindle I, I haven't got to it yet but it is on my kindle yeah well look it's it's my first novel I, it, it went through about eight or nine drafts um in the early stages i used uh, i got it professionally assessed and was working through that way and then, you know, tried to get it published through every publisher that was available at the time, um, you know, got rejection after rejection after rejection. Um, but then eventually one small publisher called Charles River Press in Boston took it. Mm-hmm. and But they weren't interested in the sequel and another publisher called Wild City Press took the sequel. Now, Wild City Press was a, a, a new kid on the block that was interested in gay male protagonists. Okay. Um, at the same time as I was at a really, at my first big literary event, uh, you know, a festival in um, New Orleans, um, my first publisher dropped uh, drama queens with love scenes while wow. while the sequel was about to be released through Wild City Press. So I I was in shock because it was like here I am promoting the book actually at an event, you know, talking about it on panels, and and they've dropped the book. Um, yeah, what so a bizarre situation to find yourself in. It was a bizarre situation. They they had this new. Um, a new staff member. I'm not sure what her role is, but she went through and and dropped a lot of contracts of books that were already published through them. I will say though, um, I had the best editor at Charles River Press, a woman named Mary Belk, who is no longer with us. She actually passed away before the book was released. But oh. I was um, I, I I went through three months of rewrites on that novel and she made it a much better novel like like she taught me show don't tell and and we worked through workshopped a lot of scenes and things the only thing i didn't like is that she wanted me to put three sex scenes in it there were no sex scenes and to this day i still believe there shouldn't be any sex scenes right. in it but when you got your first publishing contract you don't want to seem difficult so i pushed back once and then just agreed to it anyway um after the three months i thought oh god i I hate what we've done to the book until i read it and went god all her suggestions were right but the other thing about mary was um because she passed away before the book was released when the book was about to be then taken up by wild city press i got a um a bit of spam email from her account. Oh. And then and then at another juncture where something else important was about to happen, it may have been the release of Nate and the New Yorker, which was originally released through Wild City Press, 
I think I got a LinkedIn invite to to you know link up with her through LinkedIn. So I just sort of felt through her email, her ghostly presence was keeping an eye on me and sending me like a good luck. You know, she was watching um, over you. Yeah, she was. She was watching over me. Anyway, um, eventually, Wild City Press folded, um, and my editor at Wild City Press introduced me to Nine Star Press because he was an editor there at the time, and that's how I got. uh, That's how I'm still with Nine Star Press to this day. Very cool. Very cool. So, are you working on anything at the moment? That's what um, I really want to know. What are you working on at the moment? I'm working. I've got. I've got. I've got three works in progress. One is one I'm dying to get back to because I had it professionally assessed through Writers New South Wales, and they, uh, the woman pointed out. I can't remember her name sadly now, but she pointed out the problem with it. I, I concentrated too much on nostalgia rather than the actual story. So I've got all these new ideas for the book even though i you know if i did eight drafts of it but but she was right because it all takes place um in the 90s dance culture scene of sydney um um, and another book which i'm really enjoying because i'm presenting it to my writers group that meet up every thursday night is um 10 men and scarecrows which is um about an older woman who has very little confidence named Dorothy who meets three gay guys and one of them's in the closet, one of them's a bit of a bitch and one of them's a bit of a himbo. So courage, okay. courage, heart, brains. I um, love it. And it just it just intermingles. And then I've just started, I've just started, I've pretty much only written you know, 6,000 words of the, the initial draft of a secret project that I can't talk about yet, but it's a collaboration with a whole bunch of other authors. And it'll be my first self-published release um, around Halloween next year. Ah, so a whole different publishing journey for you, something completely different. Something completely different, yeah. Yeah, Mm. I mean, I have had friends who, uh, even a good friend of mine who's both traditionally and self-published, was trying to talk me into self-publishing the the project that's set in the 90s. But now that I've had that professionally assessed, because he loved it, but I just thought, no, I see, I see the problems with it. I'm looking forward to restructuring it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that all sounds really exciting. Good luck with it all. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. So what if I asked you, Kevin, out of all your books you have written or are currently working on, would you have a favourite? And if so, why? Not a favourite, but I'm really close to Winter Masquerade because that's my husband's favourite and also another friend of mine who has read all my stuff and is part of this journey. It's also his favourite. So Winter Masquerade has a special place in my heart because, well, it is my husband's favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's about uh, – it's also an audio book that's voiced – by a wonderful guy named John Belitho Jones. He's an English guy who studied acting and is an actor and has even done um, six Shakespeare productions. So his voice lends to this Alice in Wonderland feel to the whole book so beautifully. Okay, beautiful. Now, Kevin, you and I met on Twitter, and, yes, I am still calling it Twitter. I can't bring myself to call it X. (laughs) 
No. Because every well, time well, I see the app on my home screen, I feel like I'm opening up a porn site. Oh, absolutely. And and <laughs> and the thing is, and the thing is, I haven't updated the app on my phone, so there's still the Tweety Bird there. Oh, you still got and the Blue Birdie. I've still got the Blue Birdie, and even on the website, um, it's still twitter.com slash whatever. You know, even that that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. So so the idiocy of of changing it to an X when you had this perfect branding and mm-hmm. well known well known tweets with Twitter tweets, like who would just throw that away overnight? I know. Well, it's it's baffling, isn't it? I can't get my head around it at all. Yeah. 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 But look, talking about Twitter X or you know, whatever we want to call it these days, <laughs> tell us about the Ozrights hashtag. OzRights was uh, originally created by Reb Langham, a fellow um, author who lives in the Blue Mountains and who is also with um, Nine Star Press. And Beautiful, not far from me. Yes, yeah, and, and, mm. and, and, she, and she started it. And, and we became um, friends just because we were with the same publisher. Mm-hmm. And so we did so we did um uh like a couple of cons and shared reading uh nights at pubs together. Um and she did start it, but at, at one stage uh she added my name to it because we try to help each other out as much as we can. But then her own personal life got really hectic. And so I took it over thinking I'd hand it back to her eventually, but I've been doing it ever since and I've been kind of doing it for a few years. We, 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 so you're we, still we, holding the baton? I'm still holding the baton, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it is, it, 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 it does work. It, it, it is people get involved. But what I, mm. what I often find is people get involved because the prompts come out every second day, people people get around to answering the prompt on on the following day the prompt was was published. Yes, yep. I've noticed that a lot, like uh, maybe just two or three will will answer on the day and then the next day, yep, there's many more. Yeah, it just generates so much interesting discussion. Like, you know, my life is is crazy and I do, you know, I do, I do follow OzRights and sometimes I comment, but, yeah, sometimes I'm too busy to get involved, but I love reading the discussion and I think it's just a fantastic hashtag. It's great. Oh, well, thank Reb Langham for for being the creator of it. Yeah. So, look, any any writers out there who are in Australia, get involved. Um, it's hashtag AUS rights, so Oz rights, and yeah, generate some great discussion. So, get involved. It's it's fantastic, Kevin. Well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> now, before we um ask a couple of questions about your chat with um. James Michaels, who you got to interview. Where can people find you online, Kevin, if they're interested in your work? Um, um, if they're interested in my work in general, just any any bookstore that that uh, any online bookstore you want, <laughs> basically. <whether it's, laughs> yep. You know, whether it's Apple, Smashwords, you know, Barnes and Noble, or or Booktopia. Um, um, they're all there. If you happen to, oh God, I'm trying to remember the oh shelf lovers. If you're in Brisbane, there's a there's, there's a there's a brand new store that's just opened, new brand new bookstore called Shelf Lovers, which has some copies of um, the Midnight Man. There, you'll mm-hmm. also find copies of the Midnight Man at uh, uh, 
better read than dead in are they in Newtown, aren't they in Sydney? Yes, yeah, yeah, awesome. And and just recently at uh, Daddy Rich Records, which is a wonderful secondhand record store um, in Dulwich Hill, they've got a couple of copies of The Midnight Man and Social Media Central there. So, um, so I think you were telling me about the record store a couple of weeks ago when we went out to lunch. Yeah, it was weird because because I love I I I love buying records mm. and I was, I was there with my husband Warren who ended up picking like a couple of records that he wanted to buy where usually he slaps me on the wrist when I order you know the brand new expensive ones that I have had to come all the way from England um, <laughs> um, and and there just happened to be some some books there from someone that that Carl the owner of the record store Knows, and I just happened to, you know, opportunist. You have to think about these things. Yeah, you pounced. Said, oh, you pounced on it straight I, away. I, Good on you. I, I pounced, and I delivered the books about two days later, and um, and yeah, I don't know how much he's selling them for, but yep, you can you can find my work everywhere, or just find me online, uh, Kevin K L E H R dot com, and that tells you everything. Yeah, and I did pronounce it right. It's Kevin Clear, isn't it? How you pronounce your yeah. surname? That's now. That's an interesting thing. That's or is how, it? Yeah. No, no, no. That is how I pronounce it. Mm. But I. But apparently, it's actually pronounced Clear. Ah. Okay. Because because my dad, having you know an accent, um, explained it to me. It's pronounced Claire, as in Claire Water. And I thought for a moment and went, Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. right. Interesting. Clear, clear. But you know, um, we've always said clear, and any, and most people, you know, get confused by it. But if I'm in the US, they just pronounce it clear because that's all the way they see it. Okay. So, in other words, your answer to anything. <laughs> just don't call me late for dinner. Boop, boop. <laughs> Sorry, you know what my sense of humor is like. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Now. Now, the reason you're here is because you got to host an interview with American crime and suspense author James Michaels. Sounds like you guys had a great chat. He was such a lovely guy. Um, yeah. And it was funny because at first, as you know, Hayley, I didn't, had no idea he lived in the US. And so I was lining up this interview thinking he Sorry, was... Sorry, my bad. I thought I told you that, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought I was lining up this interview, you know, Eastern Standard Time. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So A-E-S-T. Yeah. Um, and then I then I looked at his social media. He's done TikToks. And I was like, oh, he's got an American accent. Oh, um, I better look at his bio. Oh, he is in the US. <laughs> so, so, we had, so, so I had to cancel the original time with him because that was just you know it just wasn't workable mm-hmm. and 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 him and I finally got together I had to cancel our second meetup just because there was well my husband woke up with um well he slept in and we had another guest here and I thought any moment I'm going to ring James and the guest is going to get up and warrant yeah it was just nah it would have been yeah. interrupted yeah, yeah, and chaos would ensue. So, yeah, not a good idea. Not a good idea. <laughs> so, look, without giving too much away, um, what do you feel your listeners or my listeners will take away from the interview with James? Um, I think what you'll get is a real sense of not some someone who's still very early in their in their career or in their writer's journey, as I like mm-hmm. to call it, 
Mm-hmm. Um, um, not not at at square one, but maybe may, maybe a few squares in on that game of you know mm-hmm. of of the writer's journey. Um, one thing I, I I won't spoil it, but no no spoilers, um, please. No spoilers, but all I will say, um, I was quite surprised he had not heard of a very well-known author. Ah. And that's, that's all I'll say. That's all I'll ah. say. So is it is it a crime author or because oh, he writes crime oh, and suspense? Yeah. Yes. Okay, it's interesting. One of, one of the biggest Best known ones, mm-hmm. and 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 it was. Now I won't give away too much, but when he was introduced to this, you know, and he was telling me about this, this, and and I brought back memories of when I was in that um, literary festival in New Orleans, and one of the organisers, the American guy, was telling me about this European song competition and how <laughs> fantastic and all that, and I should watch it and all that, and I turned around and said. You know, Eurovision. Oh God, we're Australian. We live for Eurovision. You know, <laughs> now I mean, now we're in it. But that's but, it. Yeah, yeah. But but but, but 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 it was it was one of those moments when I was talking to James. I was going, "Are you really seriously? You're telling me about this author who's so huge? Wow. Um, even if you've never read one of her books, you've seen a movie based on one of her books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'm sure our listeners will find that very interesting. But I always say that we, we've we always got something to learn from each other as authors, yeah? Would you agree? Yes, I do, I do. Yeah, so did you learn anything interesting from your chat with James? Oh, that's a good question. The, the, the thing is, because it was recorded a few weeks ago now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember i'm sure i did i know i passed on some stuff to him after our chat mm-hmm. i emailed him with um just a, a method that i've fallen in love with called the snowflake method for mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, for start for visualizing and working out your characters and their motivations before you start writing the novel yeah. and i and i and i threw that to him as i seem to be doing to a lot of people but I, I to me to me I just it took me back to when I was at that stage okay and and the difference now to then like when I for, for me my first book was released 11 years ago there was a hint of self-publishing around there was one kid on the block that did it the way it's done now mm-hmm. but it wasn't a thing you had you know and 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 whereas he like after getting heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of rejections, yeah, just you know went down the self-publishing route, which a lot of as I'm learning, a lot of people do these days. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and I can totally understand why. I yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I can see why. I can see mm. why. You know, it's just the money to outlay. <laughs> yeah, and look, and a lot of people choose to self-publish, um, you know, purely so they can yeah. have control, you know, over their work. Yeah. Um, for me, I self-publish. You know, I'd love to be traditionally published, and I'll I'll always pursue that. But yeah, you know, it's if you feel confident in your work, it's a way to get it out there, right? Yeah, and and yeah. and, and I, I'm been in the same boat. Whereas, um, because my own publisher is queer specific, um, I've I've one of my 
current works in progress, the main characters aren't the queer ones, so I can't give it to them. Right. <laughs> so, okay. so I know, I know once I redevelop it, I will be in that boat of well, I'm looking for a new, I'm looking for a publisher for this one. Yeah, where is where is this going to fit? Type thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've already I've already done a list of potential publishers who publish similar things, mm-hmm. and just have to keep an eye out for when the, their submission, open submissions are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, Kevin, before we wrap it up and move into your interview with um, James, is there anything else you wanted to have a chat about? And I'm sure you and I will catch up hopefully very soon at the end of year Christmas meetup. Yeah, we will. We will. Yes. Um, oh, oh, um, yes, yes, we will. Um, but nothing else really to report. Just, um, just, yeah, just enjoy the interview with James yep. Michaels, who's uh, a really lovely guy, yeah. beautiful guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, you he's had a so, great chat. It's great to listen to. Yeah, yeah, he's lovely. So, so, so that's all I'll say. Just and just enjoy hearing about James. Beautiful. And Kevin, a big thank you to you, my friend, once again for hosting the takeover. That's okay. And there will be a little gift coming for you in the mail very shortly as a thank you. Uh, Okay, thank you. You didn't have to, but thanks, Ailey. Of course. All right, guys, let's jump straight into Kevin's interview with James. James, Michaels, uh, tell us about yourself. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in... um... A city about 20 minutes west of Detroit in Michigan. Yep. Uh, here in the United States. And, um, you know, growing up, I was always really interested in crime fiction and true crime, um, things of that nature. Always, you just, you know, like growing up, I love Godfather. I love Scarface, <laughs> Casino, Goodfellas, um, oh, just all that. And love Goodfellas. That's a brilliant one. <laughs> I could watch it every day and not get tired of it. Yeah, um, brilliantly constructed <laughs> film. James, you, you said something then also about true crime. Without getting too gruesome, what true crime actually influenced you or did you get it, uh, interested in? Well, uh, with true crime, I just, you know, I, I like to mix a little bit of uh, truth and fiction um, I can't really say when exactly I got into true. I, so, as a kid, of course, I you know I watched like um, forensic files and uh, cops stuff like that. I've always been interested in that kind of like it, it was almost like it was a it was a like the criminal world is a society I really don't have any really like direct affiliation with. So it was always just kind of fascinating for me, and. You know, I just became a student of it, you know, like um, relating to like the mafia, um, serial killers, bank robbers, gangsters, uh, you know, white collar yeah. crime, things of that nature. Just, just kind of really, I, I don't know. It, it was like, uh, it was just fascinating to me. James, and have any of them yes. stuck with you today? Like any of the real real world figures whether serial killers or mafia bosses have any of them uh held an interest for you still 
You know, actually, the ones that really interest me the most are the ones that are still around that actually um, did what they did, went to prison, got out, and now have fixed their lives for the better. I find those people the most fascinating because you really get a just a wider perspective of their life leading to that point and then how their mindset has changed after that. What do you think, um, with the ones that, that fascinate you the most, what do you think triggers them to, I don't know, look back at what they've done or, 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 or come out in a better way? I think just the uh, kind of the, the 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 change in perspective that they go through when they realize that they just become disillusioned with the path they're on, whether they really believed in what they were doing, um, like, you know, like mafia figures, for example, would fall into that category. People who really kind of believe they're part of this, like kind of honorable life, but really it's it's a total um, farce, really. And then also, of course, the ones who get into their their shenanigans, we'll say, because they, um, maybe something about their personality, like maybe a chip on, the so- on their shoulder, a yeah. need to prove something, um, a lot of comment and whatnot kind of fall into that category. It's actually, what's interesting because, you know, it, part of that did influence me to write crime fiction. Um, and like my, my character, uh, my reoccurring, my reoccurring protagonist, Alexander uh, Lincoln, who's in my ice series, ice rising ice box. He has that, I guess maybe, uh, he would fall under the first category, maybe yeah. kind of like believing that what he's doing is kind of what he's supposed to be doing. That, you know, he gets into his life of crime to protect those that he loves. And just as the as the series is um, unraveling, he's becoming more and more ruthless of a character. Yeah, I mean, which, I mean, you know, is, yes. go on. Yeah, yeah. Cause, no, no, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I was reading back through some notes of a workshop I did about writing villains. And that's exactly it. They don't see themselves as a villain. They've got they see themselves as the honourable ones or the ones with a mission or the ones with a truth they're trying to uphold. Exactly. Um, it, I mean, the ones... Go on. Even the ones that um, are true, like, sociopathic, the ones who believe in the, you know, the, the strong shall survive and the weak shall die type mentality. You've seen a lot of, like, kind of the worst villains in literary have that sort of mentality like they can do whatever they want because they can do it and who's going to stop them even that itself is sort one could say is rationalizing what they're doing because they can do it so they have the right to almost now as we're still early in the interview tell us about your back catalog and what when what might be new well, um, my latest release, actually, I released it this year, is my collection of short stories, Lifestar Corners. And they're all about different crime tales, uh, short stories. 
all of them covering different genres of crime um from psychological thriller to sort of murder mystery to noir to thriller um it's that kind and also i'm actually working on editing the third story in my ice series called it's gonna be called ice rain it's actually in the second editing phase right now oh yes yes the 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 fun period the editing and the rewrites and that um who encourages you to write who's who's your biggest champion or your big you know your biggest you know not champion your biggest cheerleader I would have to say that my biggest motivation really is my family, uh, my wife and kids. I I uh, I don't know when that when I first found what I what, what I was good at. I was kind of at a point with my uh, my day job that I was I realized I was going to plateau at some point, and um, I just kind of realized that. I would have to figure out something else to kind of challenge myself in life and writing a book kind of came to mind. So one day I I'm sitting there and I said, you know what? I started telling people I was going to write a book. So I might as well go ahead and start doing it. And I wrote what would become ice rising, Mm -hmm. but halfway through the book, I thought it was going to be a one-off write this book, publish it. And Hey, that's something I did. And what I really found within myself was a true talent, something I didn't really know I had until, you know, like my adult years. And I guess it was like the part of me that was missing. So my family comes into it because I really wanted to accomplish this for them and really show them, you know, my my children are very young right now, but I wanted to show them that, you know, to really cultivate what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. That's a good lesson. That's a great lesson to pass on. You've been writing for five years. I want to ask you, um, what would you tell your five-year younger self about writing before you began this journey? I would tell him, um, and this is not a reflection on the traditional publishing world, I would tell him, save save himself a year and just self-publish. When I wrote the manuscript for Ice Rising, I spent a year trying to um, get an agent to pick it up, which is very difficult to do, especially when you're kind of a no-name writer at the time. I've been there. So, I know it. Yes. <laughs> so I spent I spent a year trying. I, I got frustrated because I was telling everybody, I have a book. I have a book. Well, where is it? And I said, you know what? I, I tried to avoid it. I really tried to avoid self-publishing. And I just realized, hey, there's no point in fighting this battle. Go ahead and get it. If you want it done, go ahead and do it yourself. And I, I don't regret it at all. What about, uh, I am traditionally published, but I'm with a very small publisher. So there's a lot of marketing I also have to do. What do you do as far as marketing is? Well, besides being on podcasts, what else do you do besides? <laughs> how do you market yourself? I'm big on social media. Yeah. Um, I do Facebook, uh, Twitter. I think it's called X now. Oh, I still call changed. it Twitter. I still call it Twitter. It's, it's For convenience Twitter sake, app. it's Twitter. It's Twitter. Who calls it X? That's just stupid. Anyway, go on. Go on. <laughs> you do TikTok as um, well, I noticed, which is which is how I knew, yes. which is Haley just 
forgot didn't tell me that uh, that that you weren't in a different country and then I looked at your TikTok and went oh we're going to be talking completely different not even even time zones completely different <laughs> days uh, yes. <laughs> you know and our third attempt we finally we we, we finally caught up uh, you do TikTok as well how are you finding TikTok I enjoy it you know it's uh right now the TikTok has a weird sort of algorithm based um (laughs) once you once you kind of get into the 200s it's like there's you know where does it go after that sometimes they sometimes i've seen a couple reach over a thousand which was amazing um but it was actually so when when i realized that started happening with tiktok i also branched out into youtube so a lot of my tiktoks also became my youtube shorts and with YouTube, that allowed me to really create full-length videos, which was great because with TikTok, I would do my book reviews, I would do my chats, but most of the time it would only allow three minutes. Yeah. With YouTube, you know, obviously you can go a lot, you can go as long as you want, and I could really go in depth with what I want to talk about with my book reviews, with my kind of my little like writer's corner type. I don't call them that, but like my little writer's corner um videos where i talk about just like my writing process or i go in depth about my books or in depth about other people's books and i can just upload and it's it's still continuously growing every day which i i really enjoy with with youtube and also i have instagram i I think we left that one out i also have instagram as well so i didn't really have i'm sorry no no you go yeah i didn't I didn't actually have any of these accounts until I started writing. All I had was my personal Facebook page and a different YouTube channel, which I just had. I didn't put videos on. I just did just to, you know, watch videos and subscribe to the videos I liked. There's two things. uh, There's some more obviously stuff I want to ask you about your um, writing, but just for my own personal interest, because uh, how much time do you? How much time daily time do you say, or time a week do you think you spend on your socials creating content? That would depend on the day, really. Um, by the day, I would have to go maybe an hour. Yeah, not that you know, uh, split up, of course. Um, it just depends on how many. TikToks I make or I prep for the next day or if I'm making YouTube videos, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just make like a bunch of YouTube videos at once and I'll you post know, post them in different days to kind of spread them out again, just like the TikToks. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily scroll a whole lot. Yeah. Um I, yeah. I, 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 I'm in the same category, I must admit. I'm I'm more into making the content. Um, because I find the algorithms have made a lot of these um, social media platforms quite dull now and and less um, less diverse. But anyway, let's. I just want to get back to your writing now. Tell me your process because you you mentioned it that you did it, you mentioned it a moment ago. What is your process in writing a book? My process is shooting from the hip. I do not. I don't outline. I don't, I have no idea where the story is going to lead me. And so in a way, I'm, I'm the first reader of my books because whatever emotions 
the reader, the the other readers are going to have, I already went through. Right. So even I can't tell you what's going to happen next, which is which is really fun because I'll think like I'll, I'll take a certain character and I'll think, okay, he's going to be, maybe he's going to be like the tried and true friend to the hero, or <laughs> in my case, the anti-hero. I write a lot of anti-heroes. Yeah, he's he's going to be he's going to be the. Yeah, he's going to be the true friend, and then he's going to go off the rails, and he's going to be a traitor. Or maybe this character, who is just going to be kind of a tragedy, actually turns around and becomes such a, an amazingly strong character that even I didn't see coming. So it's a lot of fun for me. It's really a lot of fun. It's a discovery There's, process, yeah. Yes, there there are some... There are some uh, some drawbacks with um, not knowing how long the book is going to go. I write until I know the story's over. You kind of kind of near the end, I start to really feel it emptying out in a way out of my head. So cool. I know I'm nearing the end. But so when I wrote uh, my second book, The Ballad of Johnny Carlo, I didn't realize I was going to write a 500 page book and. Sure enough, 15 months later, <laughs> I have a 500-page book, and that was my second one. So what about editing? What's your process for editing your work? I go through a couple phases first where mm. I will edit the books myself, and then I will send it to somebody that actually kind of goes over the final, like the third step of the editing, I guess. And then he'll sit down with me and we'll go over what I may have missed. And it's always great to have an editor like that because it really makes you realize that you really need a second pair of eyes to look oh, at gorgeous. your work. Because, you know, whether you love or hate it, I've seen, I know writers who've been on both sides. Even me, when I finished my first book, I said, there's no way I could have made any mistakes. I'm too meticulous. And then... My my editor sits down with me, has my manuscript printed out, and it's just a bunch of red lines and circles and notes and stuff. And I said, oh, wow, I totally <laughs> messed it up. The story's great, but it needs a lot of uh, TLC. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with your stories, what comes first, the dilemma, the character, or the place, or something else? I would have to say the character. Yep. I'll start off with maybe one or two characters. Um, with the Ballad of Johnny Carlo, that was the set, that was the closest I'd ever come to doing an outline because I had created this very basic character list. You know, the the anti-hero, the hero, yeah. The, yeah. the the villains, and so on. Uh, in that case, um, do you, any of your characters or any of your situations? Uh, are they based on real people or real life? I'd say very loosely. Um, again, my Ice series, the main character, uh, he goes by Ice. On, that's his name on yeah. the street, hence the yeah. commonality of the titles. Ice is based on, very loosely based on, just a, an assortment of what we mentioned earlier, my favorite kind of, if if there is a favorite kind, my favorite kind of uh, criminals from the true crime world, people who were very bright, really 
went far in their criminal undertakings. Then it all crashed and boiled down. And then they went through that, that bottom. And then they got that point of redemption. But really my, like, that was part of my struggle as a, as what, like, why am I writing? Why am I writing aside from it's what I'm good at? I know a lot of, this the beautiful thing about the writing world is everybody's different. Yeah. A lot of writers will write like uh, similar to kind of like Fyodor Dostoevsky, where all of their characters, or even Hemingway, who was more descriptive, where everything represents something. Yeah. You know, like, like the green grass on the lawn that's turning brown resembles the change of the changing of the times or the white picket fence resembles like modern day conservatism or something like that. And me where I fall in, I just love to write to entertain. I I just enjoy writing a good story for somebody. Now I've had a couple people say that my books, that they can relate to my books in a way because it kind of helped them when they, maybe they were going down a rough road. I said, that's great. You know, I'm glad that that book did that for, that my book did that for you. I'm sure Scarface has convinced people to stop being, to not be drug dealers. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> I, on that, on that, on that point then, um, uh, you know, people who praise you, what about critique? How do you deal with critique? I know it's, it's, it's something, you know, we all, you know, we all have different opinions on and we all, you know, us as writers, <laughs> you know either want to hang ourselves or never write again or, or or just look at something and go really you thought that so 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 how do you deal with critique well that's one of the biggest challenges for writers is understand that not everybody's going to write your book uh, i'm yeah, sorry not everybody's going to like your book yeah your book's not meant for every single person on this planet you know i had you know i I remember one time, uh, one that did get to me was when the cover for my first book was finished and I showed it to a friend of mine and he said he didn't like it. And it kind of like deflated me just a little bit because it was the first time I heard somebody say something negative about my book. I was like, oh, that that's a blow to the ego. Then I had a bunch of other people say that they loved it. And honestly, it's not other people saying that you should get re reaffirmation from because I do like the title. itself. I do like the cover itself. In regards to the story, again, you have to make peace with the fact that it's not going to be for everybody. Those yeah. are, but those aren't the people you're trying to impress. It's the ones that really sink their teeth into your writing. Those are the ones that you want to keep with you. Those are the ones who matter because if one person likes it, other people like it. Uh, the other thing I'll ask, because you mentioned about how you, um, you know, want to entertain your readers. Is there anything else you you want your readers to take away from your writing? Um, don't do crime. <laughs> as you said before, as you said before. <laughs> what it's um one thing about my stories is that of course being very based in the criminal world, albeit fictional, the stories can be rather dark yeah. and gloomy. Um, not all the time. There's comedy, but especially like my ice series is very parallel to Breaking Bad. Just that that dark story of somebody who was once on a good path who 
takes a wrong turn somewhere and just descends into that level in, in, into deeper and deeper levels of corruption. It's 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 a way that can make somebody who's not used to that life very uncomfortable. Which you know you're supposed to be uncomfortable with the criminal world. It's not something you're supposed to uh, partake in. Yeah. What are you reading at the moment, or or or, or any recommend book recommendations? I actually just finished a five book collection. My wife got me a collection of Agatha Christie novels for my birthday, which was oh, a couple months ago. That's interesting. And yeah, and it, it's this is actually kind of a, a confession time. Before I had this collection, I've only read one Agatha Christie novel, and that was, and then there were none. Well, that's more than me. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, well, Agatha Christie is she's the se- apparently she's the second highest selling author of all time behind William Shakespeare. Wow, which would make her the biggest uh, uh, author, the biggest selling author in the crime genre. Yeah, and me being a crime writer. Yeah, I, I just I totally I'm understand. I've almost never heard of her. Oh, really? Um, oh, oh God, my Agatha Christie, Christie's big. I mean, <laughs> uh, huge, huge. Uh, even a friend of mine keeps rereading her novels, and you know, there's been so many of her novels made into TV shows and and movies. Um, what have you learnt from her writing, or what other people's writing has influenced the way you write? With Agatha Christie, um, what did I learn? Uh, you know, from- she she really she really motivates me to write a murder mystery of my own. I have a one of my short stories in Life Star Corner kind of goes down that route, but it's more. I don't want to give it away. It's uh, cool. I, I know, it, I know, it, yeah. it's, it's more of a psychological twist to it. Um, with Agatha Christie, it is centrally murder mystery. What okay, what I do want that she is amazing with is I want to do I want to create more twists in my books because there was oh, man, I don't there there was one book that really threw me. Have you yeah. ever have you read Murder on the Orient Express or have you seen the movie? Oh God, everyone's seen the movie. That, that, I haven't that, seen the movie. That, there's so many <laughs> versions of that movie. There's so many, you know. Just <laughs> look, she's been dumb again and again and again. Especially, and I've I, never I, seen I, the movie. <laughs> I know, and and yes, I do know the ending of 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 yeah, Murder on the Orient Express. It almost says, I hate to say this to you, James. It almost sounds like to do something like that, you might have to start outlining. <laughs> I hate to say. You might have to like like work backwards from 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 you know from the reveal and 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 work your way backwards with an outline. I hate to Ooh, say, no, oh. speak no evil. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask, um, what advice would you give to someone just starting out writing? Well. Definitely read. Keep up on your reading. Yeah. Um. Especially, especially whatever authors are within your genre of either it's your first or your preferred genre of writing. You really have to want to kind of stay 
in tune with that sort of world um because there's a lot that you'll learn and also when it comes to starting to write it's very hard because you're about to take something that started in your head and you're about to put it on paper or a computer word document something like that yeah and my start was literally chapter one uh-huh. which it which it, it the first it's the first step it was always very simple but it's hard i think a lot of people they they, they just expect to just sit down okay i'm gonna take this this 168 uh hour block of my life and i'm just going to write well no you can write whenever you want you know maybe even if you're just starting just sit down for 10 minutes and just put chapter one at the top of the page and just start writing but everybody's different everybody's going to have a different first step maybe it is that character list maybe it is that outline maybe it's the title of the book or maybe it's a picture of a setting whatever your first step is understand it is hard but it's very it's a it's actually a lot more simple simpler than you think so it makes it a lot less intimidating yeah true yes yeah but you got to start somewhere otherwise otherwise it's just an idea that gets bigger and bigger and and freaks you out um i'm gonna ask you one last question because it's been a pleasure talking to you james um i I know you're self-published but who would be your dream publisher if you had one Oh, that's a very good question. Um, Let's get the word out there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I had to pick one, I'd say I'd probably say Penguin. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm 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 a fan of them. Fair enough. Like whenever whenever I I read the a lot of times when when I read a lot of good books and I'll turn the back of the page and it's always that little penguin staring at me. I'm like, okay. Or maybe Simon and Schuster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Um, I'll just I'll just throw something in here. If you'd like to know more about uh, James's work, you've heard all his social media early on, but his website is James Michael's Books, and I must tell you, Michael's is spelled M I C H E L S, so it's J A M E S M I C H E L S Books dot com. Um, James, it's been a pleasure talking to you and learning about your interests in, you know, the dark, the darker side of life. And uh, thanks for joining us today. That was, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, guys. Another big thank you to Kevin for hosting the takeover. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, When we write, we can't go wrong. And until next time, bye for now.